right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. This is the podcast where we talk all things rum with the people who love and shape it. And in some cases, those people are just the two of us. Uh, I'm Will Hookinga, and your other co-host is John Gullah. We're going to be talking to each other on this episode. But before we get into our topic, John, how's it going? It's good, Will, and uh, thank you. Um, so I wanted to start us off today by saying that I have a proclamation. A proclamation? Yes. That's really, it, that's kind of reserved just for really important things, I feel like. I think this is important, Will. Okay. I, okay. I, I mean, you know, what can I say? I don't have a proclamation very often, yeah. but I feel like this is a proclamation. Well, proclaim and away. Okay, well, it has to do with rum, too, but not only with rum. So I was uh, sitting back this week, and I was enjoying uh, one of my favorite sports, which I know uh, listeners know you're huge. (laughs) I'm just going to start guessing random Olympic sports because the Olympics are on right now. So So it is an Olympic sport, but um, it is not probably the one you're thinking, and no, it is not handball. (laughs) Great guess. Great guess. Thanks. Um, When is rum drinking going to be an Olympic sport? That's what I want to know. Yeah. But so I was watching. I know you're into basketball. You know, Uh I love football, I think. But uh, there's another sport that I actually really love, and it is international soccer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So specifically, like I don't follow... Tough finish for the U.S. women's team this year, unfortunately. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer. And, and tough for the men that didn't even really uh, work well, yeah, the tournament I mean, for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we don't even really need to talk about the men's team. I feel like well, they're, they're so but, far behind the women. But do we? Because <laughs> actually, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So maybe we do. I, I yeah, you're you're the soccer expert here. Well, th- so this is this is the reason I wanted to bring it up is is those who are in the know here and have been watching a little bit the Nations Cup last month and then this month was the Gold Cup. Okay. Uh, for CONCACAF, which is, uh, I won't bore you with the details. Why are there or any so the many tournaments in soccer? I, there's like so many leagues, so many tournaments. Like, I can't keep up with any of it. it like, is, the closest it is I get is watching yeah. Ted Lasso. Yeah. Well, see, Ted Lasso is good too. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Good reference there. Thank you. But anyway, so I'm a huge USA soccer fan, okay. and I love when the USA is playing. And they did just win the Gold Cup over Mexico, which oh, wow. was a big deal. Yeah, because you know it was their B team essentially. Like they had better players than that, and they didn't field them. Okay, and it was Mexico's roughly A team. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, here here was my proclamation. Now that you know all of that background, yeah. is that I believe soccer should be the sport of rum. Soccer should be the sport of rum. Yes. I, I, I don't know where you're going with this yet, but I just like the way it sounds. Yes. What other sport do you know that has such a global presence? Mm, that's true. And how does that match up exactly with what we talk about rum having a global presence as a global spirit? That's true. And you see all these different nations, and I couldn't help but think every time i saw a nation like oh suriname i haven't tried their rum yet i need to try their <laughs> right, rum. there's like a rum for every team <laughs> yeah yeah so as they're doing that i'm like oh i gotta try that rum and i gotta you know see do they make a rum right so it, it just it felt like you know yes the olympics as well i think uh to to your point there also could be held uh with with some rum in mind but soccer really just i feel like it's close to my heart just like rum is so i think rum should now be i have proclaimed it so soccer is the sport of rum Soccer is a sport of rum, or yeah. rum is the soccer of the spirits world. You could also yes. say, yes. Or We're workshopping this year together right now. This is this is a two person focus group. We're figuring well, this out. 
<laughs> we'll get there. Uh, FIFA, contact us. We'll get there. <laughs> or, rum, you know, rum collectives like Worspa. These are free ideas right yeah. here. You know, if you need to market rum as a spirit, there you go. Rum is the soccer of the spirits world. That's boom. I think Kick that's back, gold right there. Enjoy a match with a glass of rum. You can't beat it. There <laughs> There's you go. some really good partnership opportunities. You know, I've started to see some brands partnering with American sports franchises. I think Tandway is mm. now like the official rum of it's it's one of the minnesota teams it's the like the vikings or the timberwolves or someone like that Mm -hmm. um so i'm seeing all these sponsorships so maybe maybe you know soccer football is the next frontier of rum sponsorships i think we're on to something yeah yep wow well i i love that and i would say you know soccer kind of has a history in the u.s of being sort of an underrated sport you like where I'm going with this? You see I how I do. just bridged that, that was a transition? Smooth transition, yeah. So we wanted to talk about today underrated rums. Rums that each of us we, we each didn't spend too much time discussing the framework of this episode. It was just like, hey, let's each come up with three rums we think are underrated and let's talk about them on an yeah. episode. So that was the criteria we came up together, and then John and I went our separate ways came up with our own separate criteria, as I'm sure we we haven't even talked about that yet. We're going to get into it on this show. So we each have three rums to talk about, and we're going to get into that today. So I'm really excited to hear what you have picked out, John, because I don't know what your selections are and you don't know what mine are. And also, after you're done listening to this, let us know what your selections are. Um, send us an email, host at rumcast.com. That's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com. Let us know what you think is underrated, what maybe people are overlooking right now, or hit us up on social media and let us know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get into this. So if you're ready, let's do it. Let's go. Okay, so we are back and we are, Will, talking about our top three underrated rums. Mm. Underrated. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> and uh, so I think it's it's fair for us to start by talking about, uh, as you mentioned in the intro, we, we don't really know each other's picks, and nor did we really discuss anything other than saying, hey, let's make our top three underrated yeah. rums. So, Will, where did you start thinking about how to approach this and the thought behind it? Yeah, it's tough because anytime I'm going to pick a list of things, it's kind of like, why these three things? Do I think these are the most underrated? Do I think Mm -hmm. these are the best underrated rums? I get kind of caught up in all these little qualifiers and superlatives and things like that. And so what I settled on was I wanted to do each one be a different type of underrated rum. So what I did, what I mean by that is I chose one thing that I think is underrated in the sense that people probably haven't heard of it before. Um, Like it's just kind of unknown uh, or lesser known. Okay. Then I wanted to pick one thing that's a pretty nerdy rum thing that I think is underrated, you know, so something a little higher proof, something maybe a little more expensive, something a little more, you know, harder to find. And then also I wanted to pick something that I think is much more common, but that I think people are ignoring or overlooking a little bit in comparison to some of the other similar rums in its category. So those are my three things. One thing you've never heard of, one thing that's nerdy, one thing you're ignoring, all of which that are underrated uh, right now for me personally. So that's how I'm approaching it. What about you? 
Well, I can say you did a lot more homework than I did on this. <laughs> um, I, I love the idea of where you're going with it. My my thought was to be more unified in my three picks in a okay. way. And I'm, I'm going to hold off on what exactly is the unifying element there mm. because that's that's going to be for the end. And, and it, it will become apparent, I think. But So is uh, it going to be kind of like these three picks add up to some sort of collective that as a whole is underrated? Yes. Oh, okay. I yes, like it. it is. So that's one aspect of what it is. The second aspect, and I did consider some of the things that you thought about, but what I, I, I really ended up with was things I, I consider underrated is things that are passing by a lot of people's radars, regardless really of your level of rum. Okay. Uh, so some are going to be relevant to rum geeks, I think, but mm-hmm. not others. And then some will be relevant to uh, you know people who are just coming into the hobby that maybe hadn't thought about it or passed it by for whatever reason or just you know it didn't stick out on the shelf right and and some of that may have to do with uh, i even considered how the bottle presentation looks yeah for sure uh, i think that plays into it to the liquid right um so yeah that that's kind of where my head i went with it but i also had two others that I would almost consider our honorary mentions. They didn't really fit the the criteria because another element of the criteria that I wanted to have was these need to be readily available. So See, that that was one of the tough things for me was if I wanted to do everything that was readily available, it kind of like stuff became I, I don't know like I'll, I'll let my picks tell the rest of the story sure and, and when I say readily available I don't mean necessarily mean you can walk into any liquor store and get sure. it I mean that it is available it's not a lost distillery it's not uh, a bottle right. that was you know 17 year old Ray and Ting Ray and nephew um, <laughs> you know. 17 year old Ray and Ting <laughs> that would be a, that would be that interesting would be something. I wonder what um, happens to Ting after 17 years <laughs> uh, it's probably interesting yeah uh, if anybody's done it let's interesting know. Uh, Ah, you caught that. Nice. That was good. Okay. The first honorary mention I have is not going to be a surprise to anyone, probably. It is a Foursquare ECS series. Okay. Okay. Which Um, one? So I'm going to tell you, and you're probably saying, well, John, how could an ECS series Foursquare be underrated, first of all? That is... Well, well, I mean, yeah. Okay, go ahead. I I think what I'm approaching with this, and this is why it's not in my top three list, is it's underrated when directly compared to other ECS the other releases. Yeah. Right. And it gets forgotten about or pushed to the side. And I don't really think that's right. It, it uh, only got like a, a very large amount of love instead of an ultra amount of love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so it's premise, oh, which yeah, I know yeah, you've yeah. had uh-huh. and I've had. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people out there have had. But what I've noticed is over the last few years since it's been released, it was a couple of years back, I think maybe two mm-hmm. or three, that other releases have overtaken it. And I look at a lot of social media comments and it really doesn't get the love. It's sort of faded in our collective memory, I feel like. Yeah. It has, and I don't know that I agree with that. I did a blind taste test of a lot of different ones, and it was it was up there. Yeah. And uh, although it is only that 46% in comparison to a lot of the other ECS releases now being higher than that, mm-hmm. I think for Rum Geeks, that does obviously make a difference, and yeah. I think that's where part of it comes from. You know, I, I think premise is underrated. So that was uh, where my, my honorary mention went. That would be an interesting exercise to do. I wish I still had a little bit of every ECS release I've ever bought so I could kind of line them up and go back through them. But, you know, yeah. I didn't save any. I drank it all, so uh, can't do it. Well, mine are all half full. Oh, wow. I, cho- I choose to say half full. Look at you. Instead yeah. of half empty. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, I like to compare. That's, that's one of the main things I love to do. So yeah, in comparing those, I, I think Premise gets a bum rap. 
and I think it's a, a really, really excellent ECS release and can stand up to a lot of the other ones. Yeah, I won't argue with that. So what was your other honorary mention? Well, I, I will spend even less time on this one, but it is going to be the first time I've ever said the B word on this program. <laughs> okay. On this here program, Will, I've never said it, but I'm going to say it. Bacardi. Oh, oh, interesting. But it's a specific Bacardi. Uh-huh. It's Bacardi's Heritage series. So this is their Superior Heritage release that is no longer available. Okay. Uh, it's an unaged rum that's actually made in Mexico, in their distillery in Mexico. And it is uh, also referred to, I think, sometimes as 1909. It's uh, Where did you get this? So I got this from Total Wine, actually, on clearance. I was okay. very, very lucky. But it's uh, it's hard to find now because it's not being made anymore and you can't really find it. But it's it's 44.5%, so it's uh, a little higher than you know a lot of their 40% releases are. And it's made... Well, this is their, their marketing speech. Right. So their marketing spiel is it's made the way that it was traditionally made in Cuba prior to the Bacardi family moving out of Cuba. So uh, that was the premise of the... Huh, Uh, the premise of what this rum is. And I find that it is really, really nice. Is it the best rum I've ever had? No, by far it's not. Um, But just relative to what your expectations were given previous experiences with other Bacardi products, you're saying it's significantly better. It's significantly so, yes. And I think I'm not the only one that that knows about this. This isn't like a secret. Okay. Uh, But I still think there's a lot of people out there who uh, are unaware of its existence. And I I think for that reason, it, it really should stick out as an underrated rum. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I'm wanting to keep my eyes out for if there are any old bottles of that in the wild because i'm intrigued i also uh, a pick i have it's it's not from bacardi but bacardi may come up during the discussion of it mm. so tease that okay. a little bit all right so did you uh, want to start with your honorary mentions now or or i'm i'll do my honorary mentions at the end okay i'm doing we it bookend. my way we bookended it. <laughs> yeah exactly that works all right, so I think then you you should start with your number one since I've talked for a long time. Okay, I'll I'll start with which one should I do first? You know, I'm gonna do my my uh, one pick that is nerdy first. Okay, okay, okay. So, so these are in no particular order then. No, your one, two, and three. Okay, no, they're in no particular order in terms of like quality or which one I think is most or least underrated. Okay. So I wanted to pick something from. Uh, this is kind of like your ECS pick in that mm-hmm. I wanted to pick something from a familiar series to two rum drinkers, but something that I think is, you know, more like in the vein of rum nerds relative to people who are really new to it. So sure. I wanted to pick something from Bellier. And what I decided to pick was something from, first of all, a collection sort of that I think doesn't get talked about nearly as much as as their other ones okay. part of which is because it's small uh, and because I I don't know how much it was available in the US but this is from the Indian Ocean Stills collection and it is the Chamorel Pure Sugarcane Juice Rum which is mm. from the Chamorel Distillery in Mauritius it was aged uh, for just four years in French oak and uh, Chamorel is actually, it's a relatively new distillery in Mauritius. Um, naturally, uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can learn uh, a great deal in uh, Lance from the Lone Caner's review of this very rum that I'm talking about mm-hmm. now. Um, yep. And uh, it, they didn't get going until 2008. So some of the other distilleries on the island, like Gray's, which I think some people will be familiar with, especially if you've had Equiano, the Mauritian uh, portion of that blend comes from Gray's Distillery. Mm-hmm. Or but, New Grove, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah New Grove mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. from Gray's. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Chamorel didn't start until 2008. Uh, they grow all their own sugar cane. And I believe, so the, the, the two bottles from that series that people see the most, which I, I think they may still be the only two that have been released, are the Chamorel four-year-old and then a six-year-old rum from the much-loved Savannah uh, distillery in yes. Reunion Island. So there's a six-year-old uh, Savannah rum agricole. Uh, this, the the Savannah one, it's you're allowed to use rum agricole uh, on Reunion Island, uh, not Mauritius. So that's mm-hmm. why the Mauritius bottle says pure sugar cane juice rum instead of rum agricole. So anyway, in, in all my, I, I got samples of both of those two rums uh, not too long ago. And my expectation going into it was that I would like the Savannah more than the Chamorel because there, there actually aren't that many reviews for the Chamorel. Uh, Lance has that one. Mm-hmm. But just most of the ones I found, people preferred the Savannah to the Chamorel. And my experience ended up being the exact opposite. I actually still have really? some of the really? Savannah sample left. And, and, you know, I think also my expectation going into it was like I'd had the Savannah, uh, you know, high ester reunion rum, the mm-hmm. her, um, that like everyone has seen and got, you know, so much love and is such a wacky, interesting, you know, flavorful rum. Yeah, I do and, love that one. Yeah. And, and I've had a couple of other, you know, rums from Savannah that, that are, are so distinctive and, and I so my expectation was just to like that one more, and it was the exact opposite. I re, I went right through the Chamorel. It was it, you know it, it, if you've had rum agricole you know from the Caribbean, you're gonna find some familiarities with it, but is also entirely unique, uh, distinct from those to me. I loved that at even just four years of age, uh, it still had a, you know a lot of great character from the casks. Um, it tasted age beyond its years to me. It, it's just another. I, I wanted to highlight hmm. a rum that I think you know is is younger than most people would expect for something that they can enjoy. So, but I also wanted to bring this one up just because I think it's easy when, especially if you're trying to evaluate, you know, a little bit more expensive rums, rums that are harder to get. You can put a lot of stock into reviews from just a handful of people. Right. And a lot of times I've found that what what I like doesn't always align with that. Even when it's someone like like Lance, for example, who, you know, people listen to our episode, like I love Lance. I think he obviously has an amazing palate. Uh, he's knows more about rum than me. He's tasted more rum than me. I, he's someone that I trust, but that doesn't mean our tastes and opinions will always align. So I, I, I think that's that's something to keep in mind. Like if there's something you're interesting in interested in and you see a review that is lukewarm or maybe not enthusiastic, you know, try, try to seek that out. See if you can get a sample or something. Don't let that sort of like end your, your hope uh, for enjoying right. that rum. I understand it can be like kind of a, a financial leap sometimes to, to get something like that, but don't, don't let reviews that, that aren't as enthusiastic as you were hoping to be about something completely shut off your experience from it. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to highlight that one just because I think that that series and that rum in particular just don't get discussed nearly as much as as others um from velier and you know part of that is availability selection number of bottles that sort of thing but yeah i just i really enjoyed it if i see a bottle of this in the wild at any point i'm definitely gonna buy it and yeah yeah so that is my that's my nerdy pick 
what you mentioned actually it reminds me of uh, my wife tells me this about what I do with movie reviews. Mm. So uh, she'll say, you know, why do you listen to them? Because, you know, <laughs> there'll be a movie and I'm like, nah, they got bad reviews. Yeah. Right. But I do think there's one difference, which is I, I, I think you're highlighting something that's important, which is one review, even if it's from a trusted source, is just one person's take. Yeah. Right. And even we we know the Achilles heel sometimes of tasting a sample is you, you're tasting it and experiencing it probably just once, maybe twice. It, mm-hmm. I, I think Lance even mentioned, you know, and a couple other reviewers, how their process is that they don't want to just do it once right. to try to get it over multiple nights. So you can dif- different palate and different things you ate that day, whatever the case may be, that can lend something else to it. I almost so didn't I, even include yeah. this because it was a sample. Um, I yeah. try most of the time if I'm going to talk about something specific for it to be something that, that I've bought a bottle of. But I, yeah, I just I, I, I just felt like it in this case. Yeah. So. I, I will make a I get that I, I will make a counterpoint though which is that I do think I hold more stock into aggregate reviews of things meaning if there is uh, something out there that has a lot of reviews of, about it uh, from people that are you know I'm not necessarily talking about certain rating sites where anybody can say anything yeah because then then the differences in taste and in expertise can show yeah but if if something has within the rum community less of a reputation, then maybe sometimes I start to think, well, is this something that is really worth my time or effort to get? Sure, um, sure. Because you know we don't have infinite budgets, we don't have infinite. Yeah. You know we we've got to make some choices. So I, I won't name anything specifically, but I will say that there are sometimes products that do that does happen with, and uh, I, I'm not tying that to anything other than the liquid itself. Yeah. In, in talking about that and saying that you know there there sometimes there's some weight to be put in to that. So I, I think there's an interesting argument to be had there with where you're going and understanding though, even with somebody like, you know, uh, Fat Rum Pirate or others that are really well-known reviewers, mm-hmm. just because they may not have the best experience with it themselves uh, doesn't necessarily mean you will have the same exact reaction. Yeah, I would say I would put more stock into like overall reputation of a brand uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to like two or three reviews of a single mm-hmm. product, something like yeah. that. Like that That's will fair. sway me more. Um, yeah. All right. So, so we, hit me uh, with your pick. Yeah. So I'm going to start with one that's pretty rum geeky as well, I think. Okay. But I still think is underrated by the rum geek community. This is an unaged agricole, funny enough, but this is an agricole du Marie Galante. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. I hope I said that close. And this is Pere Labat. That's what 59. I was going to guess. As soon as you said Marie yes. Gallant. Yep. So uh, this is the Labat 59. And I think, number one, this bottle is very, very... What would be the word I would use for this? It's kind of stark. Stark. Yeah, I, I was going to go there. Or acetic, maybe. It's just very plain. Yeah. So uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think a lot of people will like that aesthetic. It's unassuming. Um, but, but it's unassuming. And you may pass this by... Uh, it's monochrome even mm-hmm. not that all of that really makes a difference but you know it can when you're staring at a shelf sure. or staring at products you may pass it by and i have to say that you should not pass this by because this rum is phenomenal i've been seeing uh, this more and more lately and I, is, I haven't it's like on my list of i know i need to get a bottle of this but i haven't yet so you you must yeah you're pushing I, I will me go the, that far you're pushing you, me toward you, it well and and let me tell you the other reason why i think you must this rum is something like $35 or so. Yeah. 
It's that's insane for the amount of quality you're getting here. And I think that might be yet another reason why it's underrated in our community because sometimes, you know, how we can subconsciously equate price with quality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really try hard not to do it. But sometimes it, it, it will filter into our decision making. I, I was going to say, I also think there's a tendency when, when, you're, when you're more getting into ROM and maybe you've had an agricole or two, but haven't totally gone headfirst into the pool yet. I think right. there's a little bit of a tendency sometimes to think that they all are going to be very similar or the same. So yeah. one of the things I wanted to ask you is is what stands out to you about that one in particular relative to other Blanc agricoles that you've had? Sure. So I actually am really enjoying the category as a whole. Mm-hmm. So some of the others that I've had, I, I don't think I've, I could really point to one that's a Rum Blanc uh, agricole mm-hmm. that I've not enjoyed, but I also have only had maybe three or four at this point. Uh, so not a huge amount of experience. That said, I think this one for me brings with it the biggest kind of punch of flavor, but still maintains its ability to be sipped neat with no problem, even at 59%. Yeah, so, that's the other thing about, you know, the price point you mentioned is getting something at 59% at that price is yeah, really nice. A foolproof spirit that is... At is it a liter sp- bottle? It is a liter as yeah, well. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yes. Yeah, good, good call. I was going to mention that. It's a liter bottle at that price. And, you know, I'm just, I would struggle to tell you in terms of flavor profile what I think is different Mm -hmm. about it, partly because I haven't tried a lot of the Rum Blancs in direct comparison with it, and I need to. I will tell you that the Sharonda is great, and I'm really enjoying that, even though I know it's cane juice rum, but, you know, we'll get close. Nissan. Mm-hmm. Uh, really enjoy that Nissan's uh, Blanc offering and uh, L'Esprit is really good. But for me, uh, this one outdoes that and is cheaper. So, I mean, I don't know other than that why it would be as underrated, uh, but I, I really do feel like this is bringing with it a quality of spirit that is rarefied air at a, a real attractive price point for the foolproof spirit that it is. So I, I really think if you see it, you, you ought to snatch this one up and, and thank me later. Yeah. And, you know, from an island other than Martinique. Maybe that's another reason. Maybe it's less well known. And so maybe that's something else that factors into it. All right. So moving on to your number two, give it to me. Yeah. So I did something nerdy. So now I will do my something that I think people are kind of ignoring or overlooking category of underrated rums. So this one, I, I want to talk about Don Q's cask finish mm. and single barrel <laughs> releases. Uh, uh, why are you? Why are you laughing? Uh, because I was. It made my short list, and I cut it off at the last moment. Oh, so now okay, I'm kind I of like really that. happy. So I'm I feel like I'm not alone yes. then. Um, yes. Yes. So. I wanted to pick this rum. I'm kind of qualifying these as underrated within the cat a category of products that are similar to it. So mm-hmm. there's a really large number of aged Latin American rums, you know, that are lighter bodied, lower proof, seen maybe not as challenging or interesting per se, but you know, they're often some of the first rums people have when they first get into it. Uh, you know, many of these are kind of produced with what's been referred to as quote unquote Spanish style production. So that's going to mean column stills. It's, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but 
much of the time it's going to mean they're you know they're making a lighter rum and a heavier bodied rum and then they're blending those to get kind of light medium and heavy bodied rums that then they can you know blend in different Mm -hmm. uh, ratios and stuff and age separately and then they have this you know lovely palette of different rums to paint with and make blends with and that sort of thing so you know i think one of the rums we've talked about that's come up a lot on this show. Um, and it's, it's actually one of Lance's uh, key rums of the world from the Lone Caner, which we discussed on our episode with him, but mm-hmm. Santa Teresa 1796 comes up all the time. And yep. I, I think it's, it's something that people go to early on. that gets recommended a lot. It's a favorite of a lot of people. And to me, it's that, that rum does have some pot still rum in it. I know that's kind of one of their uh, aspects of production down there. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's also very much in that same, uh, or similar kind of production style. And that's an example of one from this category that like, I don't think is, is underrated or I don't think anyone would argue that it's underrated because it's praised all the time. Right. But to me, I, I look at this lineup of rums from Don Q and, uh, t- to cover this again. So these are, uh, sort of limited edition rums that Don Q has put out over the past few years. They've done mm-hmm. a couple of cask finishes. One was a vermouth cask finish. One was a sherry cask finish. That's actually kind of the one that I want to focus on. Um, okay. And then they've done some single barrel releases as well. And I grouped these together because they're all in the, the same bottle design, the same label design, and it's different right. from everything else that they release. So I do want to focus on the, the sherry cask finish one, though, because that's the one I'm talking about. And, and okay. what it is, it's a blend of five to eight-year-old rums that is then aged an additional year in Oloroso sherry casks. And okay. it's bottled at uh, 82 proof, so 41% alcohol. So again, right in that range I'm talking about of, you know, aged lower proof, overall lighter body, quote unquote, Spanish style production. And I did, I, I've always just really enjoyed that rum. I think it's such a solid representation of that style of rum and not only that style of rum, but I think a really great representation of Puerto Rican rum, which so often just gets lumped into Bacardi. Right. Um, right. And, you know, I've tried all the rums in Bacardi's premium range or whatever. And I think I think these Don Q rums blow those out of the water, like all of them, even the ones that are significantly older. And yet I almost, you know, I just don't hear these rums coming up that much. And I I, I did a comparison between it and Santa Teresa head to head, just because mm-hmm. in my mind, I favored the Don Q. And I was, I was like, I, you know, I wonder how much I think this is better than the Santa Teresa, which I don't think is underrated at all. And again, I, I like, I not only thought the Don Q was better, I thought it was significantly better, just hmm. more depth of flavor, uh, bolder. It's that what, what I appreciate about that style of rum is when you talk to people who are master blenders in that discipline, so much of where flavor comes from for them is from the cask, from like right. the art of blending. And you won't hear as much, you know, talked about things like fermentation for flavor development and stuff like that. And that's what you get from that rum to be is just this beautiful expression of like what the cask is, all those different flavors that you would associate with an aging warehouse and that sort of thing. Uh, just really nice, easy, easy to drink. 
it makes me cry for wanting something like that at a significantly <laughs> higher proof. Like I want yeah. the cask strength version so bad. I would love to go down there to the, you know, aging warehouse at Sarah Yace and, and see what's, what's happening, what they have behind the scenes. Cause you know, they have, you know, just tons and tons of, of casks there. And, uh, I, I would kill for us to get, you know, the, the, the Velier style release of, right, you know, of something that, yeah. from Sarah Yace. So hopefully maybe someday that'll happen. I don't know if it will, but I will will say that in that category of rums that I'm describing, I, I think those rums are really underrated compared to their peers, sort of, in, in that category. I agree with you. I, I think you're right. And as part of the research when I was doing this, I did partake in the Single Barrel 2005, oh, nice. which I have in my collection, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the 2007. And um, I really enjoy those rums as well. And I can see where, where you're saying that because as you were talking about it, I was like, yeah, you know, I really do think those fly under the radar. And so I, I think you you nailed it with uh, what we're trying to go for here, even for a person like me. I, I enjoy it very much. I, like you, feel exactly the same that I just wish it was a little higher proof mm-hmm. in comparison to some of the other rums I, I was experiencing. It just, it, it's tough to go back and forth because they, they can't compete. So, you know, when I'm putting in Pere Labat, 59 (laughs) next to it it just you know i know in my head that these are completely different categories in so many different ways and yet you you know you can't fool your palate at that point if you're doing that back to back or nearby Uh, i just wish it brought a little bit more with it yeah um but i will say this i'm gonna jump into my number two because it aligns so well okay with what you just said oh and i do before before you get into that i did i just want to note in the interest of full radical transparency, which is a principle I try to live by. Um, I do want to note to people that I did a little bit of work with the Rums of Puerto Rico program. I helped them produce a podcast series. Mm. Um, Just putting that out there so you have all the information that, you know, I I don't think that influenced my pick of Don Q other than, you know, it pushed me to try some of Don Q's products, which I purchased on my own. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I didn't say the most flattering things about Bacardi during that. So they're part of the Rums Puerto Rico program too. So just putting all the information out there for everyone, uh, just in case, you know, they see the podcast and they're like, wait a second here. So just wanted to be above the board on everything. Makes sense. And I appreciate that. And and Will, full transparency for me as well. I'm one quarter Puerto Rican. So So what that one quarter of me might be influenced, who knows? Okay. So what I was going to say is with my number two is we we really uh, aligned on this one because pretty much everything you talked about, uh, I was going to mention in some way about my number two pick. Okay, nice. Uh, it's a Spanish, quote-unquote, Spanish-style mm-hmm. rum. Uh, it is not from Puerto Rico. It is okay. from a nearby Caribbean island called the Dominican Republic. All right, all right, all right. It is a comparatively dry rum to many of the Spanish style you usually find, but I think this is probably my most controversial pick because I have to be honest with you, I am not entirely sure if there's any dosage in this bottle or not. Okay. And I will go back and uh, just add on that the Don Q rum is not sweetened. Right. So So I I do know that if it is sweetened, this product, that it's not by much. Okay. And the research that I was able to do showed very, very low numbers. So, uh, you know, three, four... Uh, so in that zero to five range exactly right so so we're not talking about sort of like a gray area 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. But I, I want to be upfront and honest in saying, look, I, I don't know exactly what the practices are, and mm-hmm. I, they, they don't tout no additives, really. Right. Um, but if you press them on it, uh, they might say, no, we don't add anything to it. But, you know, that's different to me than being transparent and putting that on the bottom. Yeah. Um, you're, but it, this you're, is you're, a, you're doing what yeah. you can. Exactly. So this is uh, Brugal 1888. Oh, yeah. You were texting me about this not yes. too long ago. Yeah. All right. So, so tell I was, me all uh, about it. In the interest of being transparent in the same way, I did attend an event uh, here in Miami pretty recently okay. uh, that talked about Brugal 1888. And uh, so that was the first time I had tried it. By, by the way, just to circle back to this is a, an example of something you referenced earlier where I have seen this on the shelf so many times and I've always just passed over it. I've never exactly. had it. I've always just kind of disregarded it. I don't I don't know exactly why i mean i do think you know i i'm gonna tell you why i think you did i think you did because we do know that a lot of other rums especially from the dominican republic are heavily sweetened yeah are far too sweet for our typical palates of yeah. rum geeks like you myself and you no age statement right on it a lot okay. of lower proof it's lower it's 40 yeah. percent exactly yeah. so that's why because i was going to tell you it's the exact same reason i passed it mm-hmm. up on the mm-hmm. shelf even though i've seen it time and time again and it, it's everywhere mm-hmm. but uh i really haven't purchased it okay well I, I went to this event partly because you know i, I was just starved for in-person contact i right. think at that point this was a while ago when covid was not as bad and uh, so went to this event and uh tried this uh brugal 1888 with a an open mind and I really did enjoy it. And and I have to say that I do believe, like I said, it this does not feel like a sweetened rum to me. It, it, it feels like a dry, nice wooded rum. I mean, from what I understand, there's six to eight years that it's uh, first matured in ex-bourbon barrels, okay. uh, roughly. And then it's also, just like you mentioned with the Don Coup, mm-hmm. uh, that it's then goes into sherry. So it's uh, secondary maturation in, in sherry barrels for a spell, whether it's six months or a year or something along those lines. Right. Uh, so it is double matured in that that way and it does tout that on the bottle as well uh, do, and, do they and use do, the term double matured they say doblemente añejado okay i'm just always, i believe i'm always interested uh, to know like how it's described yeah, doubly aged, I think is what yeah. that means. My, my Spanish is never great, but I think it's close. So yeah, they, they are touting that on the bottle. And uh, it, the the same shortcoming, I think, is I, I do wish it was 43 or 46%. I, I do feel that would improve it significantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for people like us. But I was pleasantly surprised by this. And I think compared to a lot of other rums that you would find on the shelf, uh, as we mentioned, and why we passed it up in the first place, it, it really doesn't at first stick out from them, but it should. Because I think, similar to what you said with Santa Teresa, is it, it's a far different rum that gets lumped in into this category, that I, I think that's why it goes unnoticed by rum lovers like us. So, and, and Column Still, as you mentioned, this is Column Still. By the way, the Labatt 59 was also Column Still rum. Mm-hmm. No pot in either of those. So, those are things to me that, that I feel Probably different like, kinds of Column stills between those rums should know. i believe so yeah <laughs> yeah but but you know and right there's a lot of differences there and not one column still is alike to another right um, but I, I do think that there is this is a, a good quality rum and i don't think it should be passed up for those that are looking for a, a lighter bodied spanish style nice experience that you can relax with yeah that's that's i i would put don q in the same category and I, I think that's, again, I think that's a, a really nice, enjoyable category of rum with a lot of tradition, but there's so much stuff that 
folks like us don't care for as much that you were talking right. about, you know, which is part right. of the reason why it passed over that bottle again and again um, in terms of, you know, lack of transparency, yeah. sort of deceptive marketing practices, deceptive mm-hmm. age statements, stuff like that with, with a decent amount of very popular uh, Latin American rums that these get overlooked. So I love that we walked away with two examples uh, for people to check out and maybe give, give a chance. Exactly. Right. All right. right, Moving on. So number three, this is my rum that people have probably never heard of. Some people listening to this have heard of it because let's face it, this is a rum podcast. So (laughs) our listeners are deep into this stuff a lot of the time. But I do think this is one that most people have probably not tried. And what I wanted to do with this, I wanted to reach into my bag of lesser known American rums. Uh, Mm. I, I think... A lot of listeners will know this is a category that I look at heavily uh, because I have another project called American Rum Report where I'm looking at rums made in the U.S. And this is one of the, to me, standout distilleries and the rum that I like the most from this distillery and doesn't have super wide distribution yet. Uh, They're really small. And, you know, just doesn't get mentioned as much as some of the other American, uh, you know, craft American rum distilleries, whether that's Privateer, Montagna, Richland, Maggie's Farm, stuff like that. You don't hear from them quite as much. So So this is your hipster pick. Yeah, this is my hipster pick. You can (laughs) like it before it was cool. Um, So this is from a distillery in New Orleans uh, called Rulezon, and it Mm. is their overproof rum. And I want to give a little bit of background about Rulezon because I feel like they are, they're a rum distillery for rum nerds. Like, uh, I've, I've had many conversations with Andrew, the head distiller and co-founder there. He is a big rum nerd and they get pretty nerdy with their production stuff. The interesting thing they do is they, they do two separate fermentations for their rum and each one has, you know, its own yeast strain. So they basically do, they basically make hmm. two types of rum with two different yeasts, and then they right. blend those together to make their rum. So they have different marks, basically. One of the fermentations uses a Belgian beer yeast strain, and the other one uses a Britannomyces yeast strain, which is kind of like a cultured wild yeast. And they, they have a standard proof unaged rum that I believe is a 50-50 split of those two marks. The overproof is more of a 70-30 split, so it's a little bit different. And if, if you've read about Realizon before, there, there was an article by Wayne Curtis a few years ago uh, who wrote the book And a Bottle of Rum. Uh, he's, he's written a lot of articles for the Daily Beast about rum. And I think the article was called The Return of Funky Rum. And he mentioned Rulezon. It wasn't just about producers in the U.S. Okay. It talked about, yeah, I think it mentioned maybe some Jamaican producers and Jamaican, stuff like that too. Yeah. But, so this is in the funk realm. and But it's not at all, like it's totally, you wouldn't taste this and be like, oh, this this tastes like a Jamaican rum because it doesn't at all, um, which is one of the things that I like about it. And in their process, they use what Andrew calls this kind of like an Americanized version of Dunder, um, which is basically the equivalent of like sour mashing you would see in American whiskey. Got it. Um, okay. The first couple of times I tried this rum, I really wasn't sure what to make of it. You know, it was mm-hmm. one of those. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that experience yeah. where you're like, you try something and you're like, 
I, I, I don't know if like oh, yeah. how I feel about this, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it was just like kind of strange, uh, but I kept going back to it because you know that's interesting to me. I hadn't tasted anything like it before, and it almost reminded me not in terms of taste, but in just a similar experience of like what's going on here of like trying something like Karani for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it does have this almost like in, this is going to sound negative, but I don't mean it in that way. It almost this kind of industrial quality to it in the way that Karani has that, you know, burning rubber, you know, yes. like you're inside okay. a, a garage kind of taste to it. <laughs> um, there, there's an, there's an element to that. That's that, that struck me right away. But then the more I went back to it, I, fa- I found all these things that I really started to enjoy. It has this like this floral quality it's limey Mm. it has this uh really unique like menthol kind of quality going on at the end it's just it's Mm. i really haven't had anything else like it before and i think if you're someone who likes unaged rums uh like if you're into some of the out there stuff the clarins and things like that i I think this is something that you want to check out and i i recommended this to people who came back and loved it and i recommended it to people who came back and said no this isn't for me (laughs) so it's it's one of those rums but again i i think they are a really interesting distillery and uh, if again if you're into unaged spirits uh, try their overproof and let me know what you think about it because i want to know because i I want more people to try this so i can see what their opinions are but you know for now i think it's underrated just because it's it's relatively unknown yeah i think there's something wonderful about the experience you mentioned where you just don't know what to make of something and then the more you go back to it it's almost like you're uh excavating like you're digging Mm. out things out of it that you know you initially you were just overwhelmed by whatever that presence was to begin with yeah that you're like oh what is this and you know it can't get past it but the more you kind of come to terms with that the more you start to be able to notice what else is in the room yeah uh, and you will isn't it interesting like how i i have those experiences with anything that's sort of an artistic product you know that's happened to me Mm -hmm. with music um you know with songs with albums sure you know, you have to I listen to of, it like five times before you yes. end up liking it. It's happened to yep. me, you know, with food or with movies even. There's been yeah. movies. Or that art. Like, yeah. I was going to say with art, uh, something like Hieronymus Bosch comes to mind. I don't know if that's... That's a, going a, over my head. I'm, uh, I'm, this is, this I, is a, I'm not high class enough to know that <laughs> reference. It, that, that's an uh, old school painter. I'm going to okay. try to put this in easy terms. Old school painter that fills his painting with so much content that it's overwhelming oh wow but then you start to look at these little pieces of it and Mm. you start to get interested in just this little piece uh and and you can do it that way or you could you could jump to the other angle and go something like mark rothko which is uh the other end of art there which is just that you that famous image of a red box Mm. you know like on a blue background Mm -hmm. or vice versa and it's just that abstract art and at first you're like why is this art Mm -hmm. and then you start to look at it more and you start to find things about it that you can appreciate i took that way too far just now no i love it (laughs) but i i absolutely can see what you're making the comparison to and i think that's actually helpful i just think sometimes people hear with with food or with spirits like oh i thought it like i thought i i didn't like it at first or i thought it was strange and they think well you're just like forcing yourself to like something then like Mm -hmm. why would you go back to it but i don't subscribe to that mindset because i've i've had just so many experiences where i truly do end up really loving something Mm -hmm. despite initial impressions yeah i've had that happen but i've also had it not happen you mentioned karen i i I know one Karen i've had so far did not like yeah 
and still to this day don't care for it whatever it is about like you said that industrial flavor that comes out of Karani, it's so strong and i i was not able to get past it so maybe that's a failure on my palate i don't know but um, I, I mean, no, I, I don't think so. And I'm pretty sure I've heard Richard Seal be critical of Kareny before. So <laughs> like, well, if Richard Seal was critical of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So what is your third, your third and final pick? All right. So mine is not as interesting as yours. I think some, sometimes you make picks with your head mm-hmm. and sometimes you make them with your heart. Yeah. And this one is uh, definitely a heart pick for okay. me. It is well known to most rum geeks or all rum geeks probably especially those that have been with this podcast for a long time because mm-hmm. we have had the person who brings it to us on oh nice uh this is a uh, grander grander rum oh yeah and uh specifically i'm going to talk about their trophy release and some of their single barrel series uh releases okay so i think all grander is really great rum it's sourced from panama las cabras distillery as we know don and, poncho uh, Right. Don Pancho, Francisco Fernandez. And you can go back and listen to Dan DeHart talk about that on one of our episodes uh, way, way back when, if you want to hear more about it. But back at that time, we really didn't have the trophy release yet. And he was really just starting out with the single barrel and the cask series Mm -hmm. uh, that he's doing. And I just, I'm really appreciative of it because what he's doing and the premise of what he does with the no additives to this rum, it is foolproof. And then bringing that out in different ways, whether it's through his, like I said, single barrel releases or the cask series he's done now with the rye release. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if, Will, you've had a chance to try that one, the rye. I haven't. Still, still the the only one I've had was just the twelve year. I need to get you some of this because well, uh, and, and I, this is the thing with these rums is the 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 twelve year didn't blow me away, mm-hmm. so it made me hesitant to you know yeah. But I've heard what you're saying about the single barrel, the 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 store picks and things like yeah. that. So I just got a chance to try the twelve year for the first time actually, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. But I would also agree with you that uh, that's it's any almost a, a different subcategory in yeah. a way from what he's doing with the single barrel and the cask series releases. So the rye release is really, really great. Uh, they have a toasted barrel series that I haven't been able to try and I'm dying to try. And I've heard through the grapevine is coming out through Florida Rum Society pick at some point. So so what is the I, deal with that? Is that taking rum and doing a secondary maturation in a correct. barrel of so a the, particular toast level or something like that yes it's exactly what it is so the char level that he's picking and doing it he's done one release with i think it was the rum caucus in uh yeah yeah and uh they they had a specific char level and i would I can't remember which one it was at this point, but I think the the next one coming is a different char level that he's doing. Okay. Uh, so should I, be I fun just, to compare those. Exactly. I just like the idea of being able, similar to what you talked about with the Don Q series, of being able to put a similar distillate and having confidence and faith in the brand to know that hey, this is a similar distillate but variations mm. uh, of it, and so it's almost like listening to a good symphony. And having those variations of a different uh, area of a symphony that you can appreciate, right. come back to those same strong motifs and themes, but in different, you know, orchestrations or bodies or whatever that is. Yeah, it's a so different context. I, I just, I'm really, really appreciative of what he's doing with Grander. I have yet to meet one that I really don't like. And uh, and so you mentioned the think, trophy release yeah. specifically, like what yes. what is distinct about that relative to the other releases? Sure. So the trophy release is a a batch release that he is doing that is 
a mix of, I think it's the sherry seasoned barrels as well, that it, it's a little higher in proof uh, than the eight year and the 12 year, similar to what he's done with his single barrel releases. Mm-hmm. But this one is not a single barrel. It's a batch release. Okay. So the trophy release is analogous in a lot of ways to the eight-year single-barrel releases, but because you know, the nature is different, he's doing it as a larger batch batch release, higher proof than the standard eight-year releases. Uh, the one, the batch that I have is fifty-five point two ABV, and I just I find it to be a really, really well done example of a column still Spanish style rum. Mm-hmm. If you I haven't feel like, noticed, I feel like we we've we've gone back to or we've this category has come up. Mm-hmm several times just because again going back to there are so many rums within that category that are kind of viewed poorly or have a bad reputation that it causes you to underrate the ones that are good Mm. in it you know or overlook them yeah i get that totally and if you hadn't figured it out by now the the theme that i had was all column still oh there you go uh, rums, which I think are in themselves underrated, as we've mentioned on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a dual level going here with my list of what I thought specific examples and also just the category. I, I do really feel strongly that that column uh, still gets a bad name uh, sometimes because of exactly the reasons you mentioned. And uh, I think they, we need to continue to explore that uh, column still rums although they're going to be different than pot, and we can still love what pot still rums give us, and blends for that matter, but that there is a a space for an honest, good column still rum that should be explored by rum geeks like us. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with column stills. I mean, you see no. the same thing in the whiskey world. Um, right. It's not like all whiskey is made on pot stills. And, and you made a good point earlier, Will, about saying that not all column stills are the same. Right. Like yes. the Labatt, I'm sure, is made on a Creole column still, which is going to be a lot different from, right. um, I'm guessing Grander comes from a multi, very big, uh, more industrial exactly. column industrial still. Industrial size mm-hmm. column stills. Right. Those just, are the ones and, that we're and, avoiding. Yeah. And, and the the Don Q, for example, you know, they they have the multi column stills. They also have a single column still. So there's there's diversity within column stills they're not all the same so and we not- shouldn't lump them together as such totally yeah agree all right so you had uh we bookended this with an honorary mention so oh yeah uh what is your honorary mention i'll just tag mine on quickly at the end one uh i still think is underrated and i'm still continuing to see opinions that don't line up with mine at all but i've <laughs> mentioned it before so i didn't want to bring it back up again but that's appleton eight i still think it's underrated Everyone yeah. prefers the 12, um, but I, I think the 8 is really good. And I'm curious, I just saw for the first time in my market the 15 on shelves. Yep. Black River Cast. And I'm really interested. I, I want to get a bottle of that and try it because I think it, I, I don't know, it might end up, uh, this is going to get into a whole separate discussion. But anyway, <laughs> I won't I won't get go down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying, I think the 8 is underrated. Everyone goes straight for the 12. If you haven't had the 8 before, give it a try. The blend is different from when it was reserve or whatever it was before. So try it out. Um, The other one was just uh, Clarin Milo, um, which is just almost never brought up. um, Yeah. Relative to the the Velier Clarins, but another very fine product and representation of that category. And I think if you like the Velier ones, check out Milo. It's the one that the bottle has the tree on the front, um, white label. Um, kind of pretty cursive looking font. It might not be cursive. I don't know. Um, but uh, 
yeah, that's I was able to attend okay. an online tasting with them. Uh, it's a nice product. So I haven't seen that in my market at all. Yeah, yeah I think it's a little sporadic. I don't think it, the okay. distribution is is all there yet. But mm. um, it's just you know it's one of the few Clarins available uh, on the export market, and mm-hmm. yeah, don't see nearly as much about it. Um, but I think yeah. it's it's a really solid product. So just stick those two on the end. Uh, but yeah, we could talk underrated rums all day because rum as an entire category is underrated mm. and uh but yeah nice. this is really fun and i've got some homework i need to try the brugal that you brought up i need to try the grander as well so that's some homework for me yeah i, I thought it was a, a fun exercise for us to do and I, I hope that uh as you mentioned at the outset that we've inspired some people to maybe uh explore some other rums in the market and find and let us know and others what are the underrated rums that they feel uh, are out there that people ought to be paying more attention to? Yeah. Uh, so seriously, yeah. Send us an email. Tell us what you think is underrated right now, because I'd really love to, to hear thoughts from listeners. Hit us up on social. Let us know. Host at rumcast.com. That's right. Get it. Get in touch with us. While you're at it, leave those uh, reviews for us. Uh, we love we love hearing from you. We love uh, knowing when you are appreciating what we're doing or that when you have ideas of what we could do. Totally. And you want to hear more of us uh, or, or of others. Speaking of ideas, I'm really excited for our next guest and I won't spoil it, but... Oh, I thought you were going to do it. No, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say it's it's from a distillery that there is a lot of interest in and um yeah i just think you'll get to see a different side of it so i'm really excited about that well we will see everyone then for that and uh we hope uh, you enjoyed this episode and thank you all so much for listening we really do appreciate and we hope to see you next time yep until then